This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, hi from uh, California, sunny California. Hi, Mom, from New York. It's not sunny today, but it's in the 50s, which is very nice at this time of year, so I can't complain. Nice. Well, San Francisco is kind of cold, and I come here up from Palo Alto early in the morning to record the show here at Outpost Studios, so... It's uh, um, kind of fun. I enjoy getting into the city once a week. So, Heidi, um, we have got a really interesting show today because I am fascinated by this idea of a hero's journey. And uh, I know it's an interest of yours, too, and we're going to be interested in talking to our guest about it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. And we are talking about a hero's journey through grief transformation. And this is a topic near and dear to my heart, not only because we're talking about the hero's journey, but because... Rebecca also had a brother that died, and she's going to talk more about us about that today. And so I will introduce her formally. Our guest is Rebecca Guevara, and she had a business career and was starting to enjoy writing when her brother, her only sibling, took his life. In Grief's Tailwind, she left losing the ability to be her true self. Years passed before she believed it was okay to enjoy life. Finally, she returned to writing and began teaching and working with writers. Welcome to the show, Rebecca. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's great to have you on the show, and I love your book, Blossoms of the Lower Branches, A Hero's Journey Through Grief. And I wanted you to talk a little bit about your brother and losing your brother and and what happened, and uh, then let's move into talking about the hero's journey. Okay. Well, he was a young man. He was 26. I was 31 at the time, and he... uh, Grew up in a family of women, uh, the three of us with my with the two of us with my mother. He was an outgoing, good person, never been in any trouble, did not really cause trouble at all, except the normal things that kids do from time to time. He graduated from college in June and took his life in August. It uh, caught us all unaware. We knew he'd been unhappy. We tried to get him in to get a little bit of help, but it was just, frankly, too little, too late. So there we were, and he was gone. Mm -hmm. And he shot himself, is that right? Yes, correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did. Very sad. In one of the local canyons. Mm -hmm. In Salt Lake City, Utah. Yes, yes, in Salt Lake City. A canyon I no longer go up to. <laughs> mm. Even after all these years, it certainly doesn't go away. Even though you see a greater picture, it still stays with you. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, it's so hard, Rebecca. My heart goes out to you. I mean, to have your brother in the prime of his life. And you know, our 20s can be very difficult times. We're trying to figure out what we're going to do with our lives. Have him in the prime of his life suddenly, and there you are, an only sibling. And and I know he's always going to be your brother regardless of where he is, but, I mean, not to have him physically with you must have been really, really hard at the beginning. And and it's always hard, but especially early on. Yes, I think so. There's quite a period of shock and Mm -hmm. just adjusting to the idea that this actually is reality. 
which is truly the beginning of the hero's journey, are actually moving into kind of the second step because the first step is that call. When my mother and grandmother came to my house at about 6 o'clock one evening, while I was trying to write and be this creative person, um, that was my call. And I'm sure you recall as well when you were told of your brother's or your son's death, that is the hero's journey beginning right there, and it's a memorable time. Yeah, I don't, I don't think anybody ever forgets certainly where they were. I was staying at my cousin's house. We were in bed. It was 1 o'clock in the morning. The phone rang. My cousin took the phone and all of a sudden screamed and fell on the floor, and I grabbed the phone from her, and it was her uh, ex-husband on the phone. And I said, Tony, what's going on? And he said, uh, uh, the police have been here, and there's been an accident, and they're both dead. Oh, dear. I've never heard that that was difficult. Rebecca, that's the first time I've ever heard my mother's story. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I'm sure she's replayed it a few times herself. Just never. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I. It's funny how there are places that you haven't touched that you touch. And uh, mm-hmm. Heidi, how did you find out? Do you remember the call? Well, you were ba- you were back in D.C. where the accident was out in Utah because I was a student at University of Utah, and I was staying at my aunt's house that night. And somebody there was a knock on the door in the middle of the night, and it was uh, my dad's uncle. And he was there to tell me that my brother had died in a car accident. And, of course, I didn't believe it at first, and it was the most horrific news I could ever get. So, yes, I remember it very vividly, and it was a difficult time. And it's interesting that that's the beginning of the hero's journey, that, those calls. Right. So we get the call, and then what? Well, the hero's journey actually has a template kind of feel to it. It was first written 500 years before Christ was born in a story called Gilgamesh, who's a soldier who lost a very dear friend who was a fellow soldier. And we each, of course, take our own special story. starts with that call. The grief journey very quickly devolves into what is called the underworld. And in many hero's journeys, The underworld isn't experienced until later in the story, but I find that in grief and during the grief journey, it's experienced right near the beginning where it's just unbelievable that it could have happened at all. And then second, you're just plunged into this otherworldly place where very often people will see ghosts or hear voices and strange things go on where we don't quite know where we are. We can't tell time. We can barely do anything. We may be a little catatonic. We may laugh oddly. And that is the equivalent of being in the underworld, which is, just as it says, being in a kind of hell. Right, a dark, dark place. Wow, I can identify with that. How about you, Heidi? Absolutely, yeah. It's, it's a really hard place to be. It's like, it's so, it feels so permanent. This is my life, and it's not, and it's permanent. My brother's never coming back. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, it's interesting when you're in that place. Um, how people don't need to talk to you. All you have to do is know that they've had a similar loss, and that they're still walking. 
because you don't think you'll live. That's true. Yes. It's a very difficult and awkward time to be. People don't always know what to say to you either, and, and you're correct. I believe that just being there says volumes. Mm-hmm. And then what happens well, to the hero? <laughs> that time, of course, awful as it is, it finally does move away a little bit. And to very often the refusing of the trials. And I think Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was the first one who said that this is rather the denial time. Mm-hmm. That's how she defined it. <clears throat> so it is an overlapping experience. But refusing the trials is just being unable to deal with it. Mm-hmm. It's just big, it's huge, and we, we try and maybe push it back into a closet or... Perhaps many of us start to drink too much or take drugs or there can be overeating or undereating. Everybody gets to this second, but this refusing of the trials and falling into a belly of the whale where everything still seems lost. But we've gathered ourselves enough to realize it really is real and we've probably gone back to work, tried to maintain a so that, excuse me, would be the, that time of just barely starting to come out of the worst darkness. And what I, I call fake it till you make it <laughs> kind of time. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. How about you, Hyde, in that time? I think you guys have pretty much covered it. Like you said, Mom, it's it's a hard time and just to kind of... It's it's kind of the time where you're really doing horrible, but when people ask you how you're doing, like you said, Mom, sometimes you say fine because they really don't want to hear the truth. Mm-hmm. So you do have to kind of fake it till you make it. Yeah. And then? Well, then comes the uh, challenge of accepting the trial, and really this can take years. Mm-hmm. And we kind of think that we're doing it before this time, but this is a time of actually more consciousness of realizing maybe the myths and the 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 self-destructive routine or pitying routine, many things can be um, in play for years before we finally look at ourselves in the mirror and we said, enough, you know, I can see what I've done to myself. I can see this isn't what my loved one would want for me. And I have other loved ones around me that I need to care for. So what do I need to do? So we finally at this point, and like I said, it can take years. For some, it can even take decades of accepting the trials. Mm -hmm. And that is when we really start looking at the symbols of what we have around us, what it means to us, Mm -hmm. being more realistic in the time needed for recovery, and really begin to tell the difference between things like overcoming and accepting and revenge versus justice, we look these things in the eyes much more than we had before. You know, it's so interesting you're talking about this, because one of the things that I find really aggravating, and Heidi and I were interviewed yesterday on a show, is when people, they invariably say, well, you've had a, a child, I, you know, you never get over it. I mean, it's like, and Heidi and I try to say, you don't get over it, you, you transform it. I mean, good things can happen, and that, well, uh, and invariably, they don't believe it, 
you know if they haven't had that experience they it's it's, it's almost discounting the human spirit i find it really puzzling frankly well, yeah it's it's kind of like insinuating that we stay in the pain and the suffering forever and you know while i never got over scott and i never will i'll never i'll remember him forever but i am i am over the pain that that excruciating pain right now i'm over that part I don't have that part in my life, thank goodness. Well, I think that does show exactly the resilience to spirit. And if you look at the hero's journey, and that this to me is why I just felt this little click of recognition when years and years later I read about it, because I certainly hadn't been familiar about it during that time. But when I went back and read it, I thought, well, this really does show not only the resilience, but the necessity of moving on and pulling yourself together. What Joseph Campbell, who studied the hero's journey and many others, screenwriters, fiction writers, all use it. This is a, a way that we all live, whether we're conscious of it or not, is we get to a point where we can either continue living in the pain and self-destruct ourselves or keep ourselves away from our own happiness or we can turn the other way and have what Campbell defined as the apostasy boom, which if you watch Robin Hood, King Arthur, Luke Skywalker, Superman, they all have that recognition time where they say, this is what I learned. I learned more compassion. I learned to forgive. And maybe it's a little tried. But the next step is what really opens up the hero's journey and gives it a new template in grief. And that, to me, is using it. And, mm-hmm. and truly, Gloria and Heidi, you have used it in your shows and your website and how you've spent your life. And But I think a lot of people can do it just by being kinder, better people. And that, to me, is what brings us to a little bit more peace. It certainly helped me. I, I love that kinder, better people because, uh, again, the person who interviewed me said, uh, I, we said you can transform it. And he said, uh, well, not everybody can do what you've done, one in a thousand. And I said, oh, my goodness, everyone can do it. And I think it's what you've just said. Don't you think, Heidi, the kindness and, and those kinds of changes? Absolutely. We just all do it in different ways. Yeah, it, it doesn't have to be a huge whole foundation or whatever. It can be being kinder to your next-door neighbor and being compassionate. Mm-hmm. And the research supports that. I mean, if there's some post-traumatic growth and ways that we change profoundly after losses, being more empathic, being able to confront difficult things, being there for other people when they have a loss. Well, I want to uh, talk just a little bit about your book, um, Rebecca, because I want our audience to get the full impact of this book. We have just been doing the very surface of it, because in the the points that Rebecca's making, she has wonderful stories in this book and myths and legends and people like Candy Leitner, who's founded Matt, that Heidi and I know, uh, people like that who have gone on this hero's journey. And it, it's just inspiring. You'll find yourself there. You'll enjoy reading. It's a good read. You'll learn some philosophy. You will learn all sorts of things about reading this book. And, and I really just like um, the way you've taken this, Rebecca, and, and made it into a hero's journey. 
journey. And I really, I feel so honored to think that maybe I've been on that kind of a journey. Well, I think you have. And I think everyone has done it at one time or another, and that's what makes it so valuable to be consciously aware of, because then it becomes a tool that we can actually use rather than something we just kind of blindly send ourselves through. Right. I like that. What about you, honey? I love it. I love every. I love the whole idea about the Hurt Heroes journey and what Rebecca is saying. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And, so, and it's a way of looking at grief that I have never for. Yep. It is great. Well, tell us how to, how to get your book and tell us about your website. Do you have a website? And Yes, I do. It is um, com. And my book can be purchased on the website, but it's also available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and can be ordered through independent bookstores and Barnes & Noble. Great. And again, it is Blossoms of the Lower Branches, A Hero's Journey Through Grief. And I would highly recommend that you get it. And it, it's, as I said, uh, there's so many things in there and so many parts and so many places that you can go in different chapters to look at where you are on your own journey and to reflect on that because I know our audience out there there are so many people on this journey and so many different aspects of it and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us well thank you I enjoyed the interview thanks Rebecca thanks well, Heidi, uh, really interesting show. What a different take. I, I just feel so uplifted and enlightened by it. Yeah, I, I, I love the idea that, you know, we face challenges in our lives and we, we learn from them and we grow from them. And it does change the journey that we take and it changes us in profound ways. And, I, and you know, I really want to say to folks out there who are newly bereaved, it it takes time and you may not have this whole perspective on it yet and you may have just recently received the call and you may be in that underworld and uh, we're here to support you, right, Hyde? Absolutely, because I think initially when you find out that there is any kind of post-traumatic growth after loss, it's, it almost you almost feel like your grief is minimized. And the reality is we all want them back regardless, but we can find hope again. Eventually. And as what we like to say, uh, if you've lost hope right now, lean on ours until you find your own. And please visit us at opentohope.com. And thank you so much for listening to the show today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.